0: Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy—the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And today, Benji and I are talking about how to be confident in your recovery. And this gets deep. I—we went to places I did not expect. We got hit with inspiration right in the face, right in the chompers, and it ended up being quite a delicious episode. I, I think it's going to be very helpful for any of you who have difficulty believing that your future will be different than your present. A lot of us, if you've been on this journey for a bit, it's easy to start to let doubt creep in, right? You start to feel maybe maybe this whole recovery thing isn't for me. Maybe uh, this is just my fate. I'm just going to be stuck under the weight of my addiction, of my bad habits for the rest of my life. And I just wanted to say, first of all, That's not true. That's not true at all. But secondly, a huge reason why you feel that is because it's a core belief. So we get into that. We unpack how you can change those core beliefs. And I think you're going to really like it. So let's get into it.
1: Already, Andrew, and my band. I'm Benji. We're back here with the Love, Life, and Legacy podcast. We love you all. We are so excited for today's discussion and episode about what are we talking about today, Andrew? (laughs) Where am I? Hey, everybody.
0: Welcome back. Where am I? I have no idea who I am. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be confident in my recovery, a.k.a. your recovery, a.k.a all of our recoveries. And we're going to try to attack this from a bunch of different angles because it's weird. I I never liked that fake it until you make it. I think that's very insincere and it can get you into a lot of trouble. But at the same time, it's not about faking it. It's about being intentional and being somebody that you're not yet, but practicing being that person. It's different. You're not faking it. You're practicing it until it becomes natural so if you're not confident and you want to be confident you do have to start thinking well how do i become more confident what would a confident person do and you start practicing that you don't if somebody's like hey are you confident you don't say yes i am even though you're not that's not the point it's telling yourself i can do this even when you don't necessarily feel like it until you feel like it that's that's a huge part of breaking through in life. So we we wanted to get into like this for the sake of helping you all feel like you have everything at your disposal to have the breakthrough that you're looking for. Because it's all right there. It's just a matter of putting the pieces together. Like a Rubik's cube, it's all right there. It's just a matter of getting it right. And I, I, I say that because I just looked and I saw my nephew he's 12. I saw him do 3 of these cylindrical Rubik's cubes simultaneously, and I've been working <laughs> I couldn't get one color united, and he did 3 of them in the span of 2 minutes. And I and I just wanted to cry, you know. So that that's what recovery can feel like is, you know, you have everything there, but why isn't it clicking? Why is it so hard to put together? And confidence is a huge part in knowing that you can do it. It's we all can do this. It's there's no one person that God was like. I want everybody to be happy except for this one person because he's got some gripe. He's got.
1: Some, he's, God's really mature except in one specific except case. He, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how people feel genuinely. Like people do feel like that. Like I'm some special unicorn, and I'm so. So far, far gone. And I'm such an addict and I'm all this, and nobody will understand my situation, which is understandable because the reality is people don't really talk about d- deep things like sexual integrity and heavenly intimacy to the extent that everybody knows. Like, people don't know. I mean, fortunately, at high noon, we know how much people struggle because we have stats that literally tell us and surveys. But generally, people don't talk about this stuff. All we see is the headlines, essentially, of people that have abstained from porn and masturbation for 365 days or the people that are struggling struggling their brains out. But most people are in between, you know, those two extremes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's such a
0: bizarre way of feeling unique. Because <laughs> mo- most of us, you know, the whole snowflake thing of like, I'm special. I even had a t-shirt when I was in, like it was my brand new t-shirt that I, it was going to make me unique. My first day of high school, like, I had it all laid out. I had my outfit laid out. I was like, this is the year. I am was, 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 like, going to a school that my other friends didn't go to so I could, like, have a fresh start. And that T-shirt had a giant rainbow and some clouds, and it just said, I'm special. And it was, like, kind of ironic, but it was really, I wanted to be, like, it was, it was kind of a joke, but not at all kind of thing. And... Uh, You know, we all want to be special, but it's weird that a lot of people pervert that into being like, I'm special because I'm the worst person in the world. And that's the feeling we get. To me, that stuff really helps. A a situation like that helps me to really understand the nature of good and evil. Because there's no good reason for you to ever believe something like that, but there's so many people that hold that belief that shows me that there's a dark force out there that's trying to separate us from anything that will lead us to goodness, you know, like, good thoughts, good feelings, you know, good actions. You can't do that when you just feel so uniquely terrible about yourself.
1: There's a unique perspective on uniqueness that I was given just recently, actually, in the last few months, and it was that for something to be truly beautiful, like, If you think about the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen in terms of like nature or scenery or people it's not it's it's actually what makes it unique is is what makes it beautiful for something to be truly beautiful it has to be unique because if everything's the same then it's not by definition different or abnormal or out of out of the ordinary or beautiful and so i started applying that definition to my wife for example and to people because if you look at every single person if you see them first and foremost as the uniquely divine god godly person that they are then you can see like oh actually everyone's beautiful and to the degree that if if everyone is doing the same thing and having the same hairstyle or doing the same makeup or wearing the same clothes it might be beauty beauty in a like very superficial sense but it's actually not beautiful because they're not being themselves right If you want to be truly beautiful in this world, in in my opinion now, you have to just be who you are and do you, and then that by definition is what beauty, if, if, if caveat, if people are able to look at beauty in a healthy, productive way, right? Which generally speaking, people don't because of all the lies we've been told, right? So, Anyways, so for me, I'm just sharing that because when I heard that, I was like, I have the most beautiful wife in the world. Like it just put her in a different perspective and I changed her name in my phone from hitoe to beautiful. And so every time she calls me, it just says beautiful, Beautiful beautiful's calling, you know? I don't know, just defining beauty in my mind is really, really shaped like how I view people in general, you know, as more like God-sent beauty.
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Little Prince or read the book? The French one? Yeah. Yeah. Well they they turn it into a movie and it's sensational like it's a it it's an animated movie you know just like there's a billion of them but this one really hits it really is very special and part of it is this is it's all metaphorical so you have to really watch it a few times to understand what is happening at a deeper level but One of the situations is this boy falls in love with this rose because the rose says it's the only rose in the world. And then the boy learns that there's a bunch of other roses. And he's like, whoa, you're not special. I thought you were special. You said you were the only one. And then I think the fox, there's like a fox that helps him understand that it's special because it's his rose. And the fact that it's his rose Makes it the most beautiful and the only rose in the world, and I was like, you know, I watched that a few times, didn't really understand. It. I was like, why is this rose talking? What's happening? You know. But then I was, I got hit really hard. I was like, oh my god, yeah, you make things beautiful and unique by what you invest in them, right? And so to to the point that we're addressing, that can go both ways. You can make yourself so uniquely terrible. If you want, if you want to invest in yourself like that, and a lot of people do, they say they make all sorts of special reasons why they cannot be happy and why everybody else in the world can be happy, but they are not allowed to be happy because of these mistakes that they did. And they want to be so unique in their pain and suffering that, you know, they're committed to it, Uh, but it can go the other way as well, which is. You know the principle i i just said this in a talk the other day it's it's the principled perspective is very clear that the more you love something the more beautiful it becomes and unique and and yours it becomes because y- your heart is connected to it and that's what we need to do with ourselves too we need to find a way to love ourselves so much that we become beautiful to ourselves so we enjoy being with ourselves and that's a person He doesn't want to run away from themselves anymore. And that can be perverted and weird, you know, if so many... There's so many self-care gurus that, uh, they've perverted the whole thing to just be selfishness. And that's not it at all. You know, it can be painful. It doesn't mean like spas all the time. It means sometimes pushing yourself to put down your phone and to actually have a very difficult conversation. That's a form of love, right? Whereas avoidance and escapism is the opposite; it's the opposite of love, you know. Anyway, yes. we, this is this is all kind of preambled. to it's the very main deep, top.
1: Very deep, deep Andrew. I want to yeah. actually get into this topic from the angle that I see this question because I was very much in a in a deep conversation just this week and thinking about it so much, and then Andrew popped up and said, "Hey, let's do a podcast about being confident in your recovery," and I was really excited. To get on this podcast because this has actually been going through my mind a lot personally, on a personal level, but also with with guys, right? So, to paint a picture, I was on this conversation with the, with this guy who is in our ascend program. I know he's listening to this. I love you to death, but know that I'm just sharing this because it's helpful for everyone, right? And so, really? and it's a very common thing that someone has maybe had recent slip ups with porn masturbation, went into a downward spiral of just shame and guilt and, and feeling like I'm exactly where I was before and I haven't progressed. I haven't recovered. I haven't healed. Nothing is progressing, right? And so he asked me, you know, basically, like how do, I, how do I know that any of this is worth doing? In other words, how do I have confidence that this, the work I'm doing on myself is actually producing any dividends in my life, any progress? And so I told him this. I said, one year ago, do you remember your porn habit a year ago? last summer, cause it's summer right now as we're recording. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, tell me about your porn habit back then. And he said, well, actually I was acting out a lot more. It was a lot more during the day. And now I noticed that I don't struggle every day. I may be able to struggle once a week and it's only happening like at night. Okay. And so I asked him, is that progress? And he was like, yes. And I said, do you see why it's important to understand how you have grown? And the reason that it's important to understand why how we have grown is not the reasons we think. And he thought maybe it's like, oh, it's good to celebrate your victories. Yes, sure. It's great to feel good about yourself. But the actual reason is because when we know how we've grown, we have evidence that what we're doing is working. And all we have to do is keep doing that thing and maybe adjust it here or there. But it's evidence that what you're doing is actually working. And so I gave this example that I had very personal recently, okay? Now, at the at the risk of sounding conceited and and self-absorbed. I was looking through photos of myself. Do it, go for it. Like none of you guys do ever, right? Um, It was photos on my Google photo account. So it was family photos. I was looking at family photos of all the stuff we've been doing, right? And I looked at my photo from a year ago and I was like, man, I look so skinny. And that was my thought, right? And I was surprised and the reason I was surprised like in terms of like my arms, my arms look really, really, really skinny. I was like, man, I I don't look like I've put on any muscle in you know, you know, a year ago, two years ago. And the reason this is important is because I was surprised because I don't feel like I've been working out intensely for the last week, for the last year, I mean, right? And so in that moment, I realized two really important lessons that I've taken into many conversations this last few weeks. Number one lesson I learned is that, It's important to recognize progress because we have proof that what we're doing right now is working. Even if I feel like I'm not working out hard, I I realize like it's working because I'm being consistent. Not because I'm doing it intensely. It's working because I'm being consistent. And so I have evidence now and a peace of mind for myself to know like, oh, it's working. All I have to do is keep doing it and it's not going to waste, right? And so you can ask yourself, like even fitness related, like just go back and look at photos from two years ago, three years ago, and see how, you, see how you've changed. You've progressed or degressed, whatever it is. You've developed, right? And the second important lesson I learned from, that, from this you know, short experience was that it's more important to be consistent than it is to, to be intense about stuff. And I can relate this to exercise, but also with sexual integrity recovery. Nobody wants, you know, like how many people do you know, or even yourselves, went through an intense period of 30 days of abstaining from porn and masturbation, just going all in, doing all the conditions. And then as soon as it was done, you just fell off the wagon, fell off the horse and went back into your old habit, right? And so at the same time, like having consistency beats having intensity. And that goes with working out, that goes with fitness, that goes with health, your relationships, especially. Who wants the parent or the spouse that is really, really on top of you know, being a good loving person for a short while and then they're just explosive again. Like how quickly you can demolish that deck, that stack of cars that you've been putting up in one instant with just one outburst of anger or rage. You can destroy a lot, a lot of goodwill that you've been putting into those relationships. So that's those are like the two things that I learned that I told this guy, I was like, you don't see, you feel bad about yourself because you're not noticing the progress you've made. And so you're saying everything's not working, but if you just look back, you can realize that you have grown a lot which means it's working, so all you have to do is keep doing it or adjust it. If you wanna grow faster, adjust it. But the point being, it's not not that it's not working. It's helping you, so just keep at it. And eventually, usually what happens, especially regarding porn and masturbation, is what happens is people just keep climbing this mountain and they just keep working on their root issues, their their emotional intelligence, their connections, their relationships, and eventually they just stop desiring to escape. And they look back and they're like, man, I've come so far. It's been like weeks and months. And I just I just don't have a desire anymore. Right. Have you noticed that? Andrew. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, as you're saying this, I, I feel as though you cannot have confidence without a core belief as your foundation that it is possible for you to change because otherwise you can have faux confidence or mock confidence. You can muster up. You can watch a bunch of videos, I suppose, right? On on YouTube and you can get all fired up. But you're borrowing somebody else's confidence. That's, That's what all of these external sources of confidence, such as videos, motivational videos, they call alcohol liquid confidence. All of these are means to a superficial end, which if you don't have a core belief that you can change, you'll always go back to that baseline. I've been thinking a lot about baselines. Actually, I was thinking about doing an episode about baselines. I think they're really important to understand. But just to touch on it real quick is that's what you'll always go back to. So if you have a baseline of positivity then that's how positive you will always end up being. So if you have a really negative day, you're a really down day, you'll bounce back to your baseline of positivity. Also, if you have a super positive like very, I don't know, you get caught up in some wave of enthusiasm and you feel like you can take over the world, well that'll be that'll have a shelf life and that and then you'll bounce back to your baseline, right? So if your core belief and your baseline belief in your own ability to recover and to actually nip this porn addiction in the bud is very low, then your confidence will always eventually go back down to that state. That they'll they'll be correlated. They'll be, you know, on a twin trajectory, the confidence and your core belief. And they might not always be 100% together, but they'll always, they're going on, they're two tracks that'll always end up going in the same direction. So I would just say that, you know, to really actually peel back some layers and look at what is my core belief about this. Do Do I honestly believe that I can be free from porn, that I can be a healthy person who makes the choices that are aligned with my values? Do I believe that? Because if not, I think you really need to work on that as a priority and that means having a bunch of conversations to feel like where are you giving up on yourself or what is holding you back from believing really deep in yourself that that happiness and health and all these things are are available to you and there's a lot of you know you gotta dig it's it's annoying i know i know it's annoying but it's not it's not something you can do at this with the snap of a finger but with tools like hypnotism when you work on your subconscious mind and we had an episode with some with a hypnotist go back to that study that reach out to him do some work with him you know all this stuff it goes back always to your core beliefs and so yeah confidence you see some people doing certain tricks to feel more confident for a moment of time and that's that's all well and good but it doesn't resolve how you deeply feel about yourself, as as what, what is available to you, what is possible for you in your life. And that is something that, unfortunately, is set for us at an early age based off of our parents and what they tell us and our environment. They say between zero to five or zero to seven years old, that gets really hardwired, and you can change it. But it takes some effort, for sure. And but I think that's a priority. If you want to be confident, you gotta understand what are your beliefs and you have to raise those beliefs. And it's not easy, but it's absolutely possible. Absolutely. Cause I you know, one example is I had my core beliefs was that there were no God. And then when I was I was being presented with the option of God, it was the right environment where it was stimulating something in me of like this what if. To change those core beliefs within myself was a tremendous endeavor that took all, all my focus and it took probably seven months of intense effort and focus where that was a priority of my life because I wanted to know. I really wanted to know and to make that shift, it was a seismic shift. It wasn't just like a convenient, oh, well, this is what I believe now because it, <laughs> it was like it's a core belief, you know. If anything, rewatch that inside out movie. That that has stuff about core beliefs. You know? Those, those movies, I, I love that movie to death. It is a fantastic movie. I don't know how they pulled that off, but I didn't like th- it. Those core <laughs> beliefs you didn't like it? Oh my god. I've watched it probably thirty times and I cry and I I'm like, I just wanna I just wanna hug. I myself wanna ask after. you about
1: when you had your beliefs in God changed, did you go through a process of talking with a lot of people?
0: Oh yeah. So many challenging conversations because I was just fully honest with myself. I would say what you're saying right now doesn't make any sense. And I would challenge them. And sometimes I was actually right. And sometimes I was actually wrong. But I had to have the same conversation with myself. of like, wait a second, my assumptions don't make any sense right now. And that that actually hurts. I recently came to the conclusion that one of the If not the most painful thing that you'll ever go through in life is an identity shift because your identity is actually closely aligned to so many i would say every aspect of your life how you dress how you walk how you talk how you show up the presumptions you have about yourself oh i'm shy oh i'm confident all these are based off of your identity right and so to change that feels like you're dying it Feels honestly genuinely like you're dying and what's crazy for everybody listening here is part of your identity is that you're addicted to porn and it's like and it and it's running in the background this story is running in the background It's impacting all of your decisions whether you know it or not like it or not it's it's just a reality so in order because I just had this conversation with somebody last week and he admitted that he doesn't want to let go of porn because of all of the stuff that porn has given to him over the last decade of his infatuation with with it, right? And so he wants to desperately get rid of it, but at the same time, it's a part of his identity, and he's he's so afraid of how he's going to live life without it. That's an identity statement, and that's a core belief that he'll somehow be missing out on something, he'll be weaker, lesser person if he gets rid of this thing. This is a core belief that he has, so he can do all of the maneuvers he wants externally and have all sorts of fake confidence. But his baseline is that he cannot survive without porn, and that's crazy. So he his confidence
1: is really waning. I have a similar, I have a similar story with a, a brother. And I asked him two simultaneous questions. Number one, how have, you, how have you grown the last few months in your emotional capacity, your spiritual, spiritual growth? And he was like, yeah, I feel so connected to my family, parents, mentors, on top of the world. Everything's amazing, but I'm just weighed down by this porn addiction. So I asked him about that, right? And so on paper, it looks like he's doing everything right. It's like, he's checking in, he's connecting with people. He's talking about his emotional state. He's releasing emotions productively. At the right moments, but at the same time, he's weighed down by this this guilt and the shame of I am a porn addict. Exactly as you're saying, he's placed an identity on himself as I am a porn addict, and he wakes up every day and he looks in the mirror and says, I'm still addicted to porn, even though everything else in his life is going in a good direction. He's weighed down by this identity, and so through this conversation, he realized like Yeah, I do. I do believe I'm a porn addict. Like that's my identity. And the thing about like beliefs is that beliefs inform our inform and dictate our behaviors more than we like to admit, you know, it's like, I actually want to bring this around to the core belief thing. If somebody is, you know, shorter, let's say six, sorry, five, four, like let's say someone's five, four and they live their entire life as I'm not tall enough to dunk a basketball. And that's their identity. I'm not tall enough to dunk a basketball. I can never spike a volleyball. I can never do any of those tall things. But as soon as they are hanging around other people that are shorter than them, then that can dunk a basketball, what happens? Immediately it's like, oh, that person is shorter than me and they can dunk a basketball. That completely shatters a belief that I fundamentally had my whole life, is that I can't do this because of who I am. Yeah? So so I'm using this as an example because if somebody walks through their whole life of, I can't dunk a basketball, then what will their behaviors that follow? The behaviors that follow will be, they will never try. <laughs> they will never even try because Allah can never do that. But if they had some delusion, some weird belief that was like, you know what, I can do that. I can do that. I'm a person that can do that. Then they walk through the life trying their best. And what will happen is that maybe they won't meet, reach their goal of dunking a basketball, but they'll get all of the benefits, the tangential benefits associated with doing that kind of thing. Which is are they'll probably fit more fit than other people they will probably jump very high at least yo you know they'll probably prioritize things like diet like exercise and they'll probably hang hang around with other people that have similar goals and values as them and so the the people that we associate ourselves with and the people that we see directly dictate the beliefs that we have just like you said about you know our parents informing our our beliefs if you just you know I'm using basketball as an example, but if you just hang out with people that are your high that can dunk basketball, it's like everything changes. You're completely, your your total belief system is shattered and changed from that moment on, right? Yeah. And so I think with porn recovery, I think one reason people don't think it's possible is because you don't hear enough success stories because no one is talking about this stuff. You, don't, you just don't know what's possible. Shit. And I think Andrew and I are talking like almost daily with guys who are going through this, but people genuinely don't think it's possible. Like, you guys don't understand. People are like, I could never go more than a week without masturbating. That's what people believe. I could never do this. Yeah. And they're like, is it even possible for me to do this? And then all you have to do is like, look around, like how many people are there that are abstaining successfully, not just pushing, not just suffering through it, but thriving through it at Napstin life. You know what I'm saying? So... I think I think it's just we just have to look around more. Pretty wild, yeah.
0: And also you're swimming upstream in terms of core beliefs because, you know, a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago now, oh maybe not. It was about a hundred years ago, Alfred Kinsey changed the core belief of an entire nation in America, but that's now influenced the entire world, which is he came to the bunk conclusion with his fake science that human beings are inherently sexual and we cannot control ourselves because we're essentially animals. And people were so repressed at the time, they wanted some sort of justification, and this just came at the exact right time. So then, from that moment on, the story, the narrative that society bought into, at large, en masse, was that we need to masturbate and Psychologists got on board, you know, all these people got on board just to kind of prove this point that we are we, we like it's suicidal to not masturbate. You're gonna your testicles will explode, right? <laughs> it's like all these you know rumors, it's all it's all fake science. It's nothing to do with reality, but it it created a core belief within the masses. And that's still what people cite, this information. I just heard a statistic that somebody cited in a very famous show that was bunk statistic that Alfred Kinsey came up with over 100 years ago that's been proven false and completely fake, but people want to believe it. Society wants to believe this stuff because if we are in fact just animals that can't control ourselves, then who are we to prevent us our, our urges, right? Who are we to try to take dominion over ourselves that's just arrogant or it's foolish or you're you're crazy you're a crazy person right so you are swimming upstream to believe that human beings don't need to masturbate Uh, again in the exact same show they were talking about masturbation and like she was making fun of how nobody taught her how to masturbate properly, and she's making fun of how she used to masturbate and like she was she was saying that, to her friend that, oh, you're a great mentor because you taught this young person how to masturbate. And I was like, Jesus, this is craziness. Like the the junk cultural you know lore that we inherit, we don't even know we're getting it, but it's it's coming to us is all fueling this core belief that we can't. It's this insurmountable thing. You have absolutely no idea how abnormal masturbation is to many tribes that still exist to this day around the world who have not been touched by our modern ridiculous society, which is really unhealthy. They view masturbation as this freakish act of like, why would I? Because sex is deeply entwined with love and community, actually. Like sex is very open in a bunch of tribes. It's wild. I don't know if you, you guys ever want to do research, but I remember reading about this this tribe and sex is always connected to love and celebration and community and family. And masturbation has no place in that. So to do anything like that is just like this weird act and not culturally because they shame each other just because it's like, why would I? It has nothing to do with the real act of love. So. We've inherited so much gunk and bunk that that causes us to form these core beliefs that destroy our confidence. That destroy our confidence and our ability because again, if what you're hearing is nobody can do it. How confident are you that you're going to be the Neo of masturbation? (laughs) That You are the chosen one, right? And that, you know, all the the agents are all porn websites coming to get you. You know, that's that's how I presume what most people feel. You might not be able to parcel that as like a clear thought, but that's what you're actually feeling is that this this whole thing, this whole thing is is against you because that's what it feels like when you're in that in that belief system. But like I you and I were living testament, there's a ton of people that we know that Masturbation just does not even, it's not even like part of the equation of possibility of life, you know? If somebody were to be coming up with some great equation, some mathematical equation, and somebody's like, Hey, add the candy emoji to that equation, they'd be like, that's craziness that doesn't factor into this equation. Same with us and masturbation, it doesn't factor in, there's like, you'd notice it from a mile away. It's like, why is there a candy emoji in this math equation? Same with like, why would you know? It's not that we're not sexual. Like I, I very much am aware that there are attractive human beings on this earth. It's just what you do with that information, and when you're 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 constantly taking care of yourself, it doesn't m- amount to the need for a release.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. So this is all. I, think- I mean, I, that was a massive rent, but it's really important to understand that. You have core beliefs that you formed, but you're also being inundated with societal core beliefs constantly in the music and the movies and all this stuff that are based off of false assumption, false data, fake science, all this stuff. It's craziness.
1: Our beliefs are gonna be part of us no matter what. So I think it's more wise to not eliminate, but to be deliberate about where we choose to inherit those beliefs from. For example, a belief in God and that there is a loving God overall is a good belief to have because it serves you and it serves society, it serves your family because you will make better decisions. If you walk around like everything's an accident and life is not a miracle and there's no afterlife and it doesn't matter what I do because everything is an accident anyways, then the, the behaviors that will we'll follow generally speaking will probably not be good, so, so good for you or for other people, right? So for me, it's like, it's more about, does this belief serve me or does it hinder me? And I think when you look at it through that, we can start to assess every belief that we have, every belief that we have, and try to see is this belief actually serving me or is it something that's not, that I should let go of. And in my experience, the easiest way to let go of a belief is to talk to someone about it, like a mentor so they can point it out and say, hey, that's not serving you. Or is just to talk to people who have done what I think is impossible and just be disproven. Because then you have evidence that, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? And I think it takes a, like a genuine sense of curiosity that maybe a lot of people have lost since, since childhood. But just being curious about the, we had a whole episode about this. But yeah, so that's it for you guys. I think we are wrapping up here. And let us know if you have any any questions at all. Hit us, hit us up by email at admin at highnoon.org or by DM on Instagram. We love hearing from you guys. And uh, God bless you all. Andrew, thanks for your participation. We love you all. God bless. Take care.